Hey, everybody, this is Chris Denson, host of Innovation Crush. You're about to listen to another Behind the Hustle Innovation Crush collaboration. For more information, go to BehindTheHustle.com. And for now, enjoy the episode. Hi, we're back. <laughs> Um, so, uh, you know, the, the first panel was amazing and we're going to keep that, uh, energy going as we talk to people about corporate success. Um, but before, um, I introduce the panelists, I do want to turn it over to Tamara Flowers from Verizon to come up and say a, a few words. Um, and I will do that by giving you my microphone. Well, thank you for giving me your microphone. Well, good morning, ladies. And I wanted to say uh, thank you for allowing me to kind of kick it off before we go into lunch, because I had an option of either doing it in the beginning or being between you and your salads. And so I said, no, let me go ahead and go in the beginning because it's going to kick off the corporate panel. But I'm Tamara Flowers, the vice president of small to medium sized business sales for Verizon. So first thing, it's a privilege for us to be a part of this sponsorship with Behind the Hustle because having been a small, medium business owner in the past, I know it's certainly about hustling when you're trying to get off the ground and you're really trying to understand what landscape are you having to navigate in order for you to be successful. So I've got a couple of team members here. I want to give them a shout out real quick because I'll be exiting uh, shortly, but I want to make sure if you have any questions, we've got ladies in the audience that are really fashion forward, because I know this is a a group of ladies that's definitely fashion forward, that certainly can speak to you about the communications and how, from a Verizon perspective, we're about being bold. It's about driving level of innovation. And we're trying to start a company from the ground up. It's definitely about identifying and following that passion. But it's also about, you know, making sure that you've got the right communication kind of foundation because every phone call, every connection, every marketing and, you know, what you're doing with social media, it really counts to get your voice out there. So Aaron Madden, Aaron, if you stand up really quickly and just give a wave to the ladies in the audience. Uh, she supports the Los Angeles area. So if any of you are interested, uh, definitely reach out to Erin. She can give you a little bit more detail about uh, what Verizon does to sponsor small to medium-sized businesses, primarily here in L.A. So, again, thank you for the opportunity to speak just briefly to kick off this corporate session and for us to be a partner in the community because following your passion and really never settling is the most important thing uh, as we grow our business and in, in the community. So thanks a lot. Thank you, Tamara. With that said, we'll continue communicating up here. Um, I'm going to ask you guys to introduce yourselves, just say, you know, uh, your names, what companies you work for, um, and maybe the last movie you saw. I just made it up. I don't know what it has to do with anything, but... Is it because you're looking at me? Yes. Yeah. You inspired Um, that moment. (laughs) Talitha Watkins. I work for Universal Pictures. And the last movie I saw was Furious 7. All right. Nice. Hi, guys. My name is Alero Kuya. I go by Alero. Uh, I work for Nike, um, and I am currently the brand director for Nike Woman based in the East Coast in New York, but I was an L.A. native for the past seven years. Um, last movie I saw was Gone Girl, because we just had this conversation. Loved it. Uh, my name is Courtney Asbury. I'm the Senior Director of Media and Artist Relations at Def Jam in Los Angeles. And the last movie I saw was Home. Oh, so cute. Home? Oh, yeah. Rihanna. It was cute. <laughs> <laughs> I'll wait till it comes out at home. 
Um, no, <laughs> I guess for starters, you know, uh, I guess if you guys can give us a little bit of uh, your your path, right? You know, I think about this idea of you all being relatively successful in your careers and, you know, different than the entrepreneurial journeys that we talked about, but very similar in terms of charting a course and, and, and um, setting a trajectory for yourself. So I wonder, you know, as when you were more junior in your roles or in your careers, you know, how much of your vision for where you would be today has is true and how much of that is like has pivoted and, and become, you know, something something different. Uh, I'll start with you, Alero, as you're nodding and you like that question. <laughs> Just listening. Um, so I, I'll, I'll put it plain and simple. I think the path that I wanted and where I currently am is nothing what I had ever imagined. I think all I knew at the time was that I wanted to be a leader. I wanted to lead teams. I wanted to collaborate. I wanted to be creative. Um, I wanted to work with really interesting people that challenged me. Um, and that sort of unfolded in a different um, path than I had originally anticipated. Like I had planned on being a lawyer coming straight out of college, ended up in marketing, and then I ended up in events. And then I suddenly found myself in Los Angeles and suddenly at Nike. And none of these things were things that I had planned. Um, while Nike is one of the most amazing brands to work for, it was never something that I had anticipated, but it allowed me to kind of like fulfill some of those basic fundamentals of things that I wanted to do. So um, I think the best way to put it was that things never go according to plan and just kind of understand what your passions are and use those as your kind of compass to kind of navigate whether the roles that you want to take are right for you. Courtney? Well, I was an intern at Def Jam in college, so I always knew I wanted to do publicity in the music industry. And I moved back to L.A., I left the label, and I started a PR agency, which wasn't the best fit for me. And then I went completely off course and went on a tour uh, with Rihanna and took like a year of my life. And we went to 20 countries. And I was doing PR, but it was more of like a consulting job with a brand, which had when I was an intern or an assistant, I never imagined doing that. And I went on this tour and I just followed my gut and my instinct. It's something that I wanted to do and I wanted to see the world. And it came at a time where like I was a little unsure of what I wanted to do. And I came back not knowing what was going to be next. And then Def Jam ended, bringing, ended up bringing me back in-house um, in this role that I'm in now. So it's kind of just following your passion and trusting the course and the path and just doing hard work along the way. And I guess it all works out the way it's supposed to. Yeah. Talitha? Um, my path was, I think, guided by some really important voices in my life and some of it my own inner voice. Um, I started in college as an education major and the dean of education, who was a friend of my uncle, he said, you are not going to be good in education. You should probably take up business because you're too radical. Like everything I wrote, I got bad grades on because I just kept wanting to buck the system. So he said, maybe you should try entrepreneurship. So I did an entrepreneurship minor, a marketing major. And when I came out of school, I just, you know, kind of went to an agency and said, you know, can you send me out on job interviews? Um, and I was at this kind of weird point where I had a few different things to choose from. I mean, I was living in New York. There were paying like $18,000 a year. So it wasn't a big, it wasn't an embarrassment of riches or anything. But um, I decided to take this job at A&E 
network. And it's not, an, it wasn't the network that it is now where it has like cool programming and, you know, breaking, you know, uh, ratings records. It was the arts and entertainment network. So it wasn't very much my passion, but I really liked the people there and, um, I liked their passion. So, um, I, I joined the network. I was there for a while. I decided to move to Los Angeles and couldn't really get back into the cable world because there was like a big hiring freeze. So I bounced around a little bit, ended up back in cable through just kind of like staying in touch with people I had worked with at A&E, making good relationships. And then um, I was at an agency for a short while. And I remember at one point thinking to myself, I, you know, I'd like to do movie marketing. I think that would be a really cool thing to do. It feels like that's the industry here is movies. So why not be a part of the big industry that of the company, the, the city you live in? And it was just a, a voice in my head that um, I didn't really pay a lot of attention to until an opportunity came to me to uh, apply for this job, which was a new role at Universal about five years ago. And um I just gave it all I had. I called every person I knew who had a remote interest in film, who I like. I called my ex-husband's school friend's sister who prints posters. And I was like, do you know anyone at Universal? I really need to get this job. And she had, she hooked me up. Like, you just never know what you may turn over if you turn that stone, you know, uncover that stone. So um, I fought really hard to get this gig and I got it. And I've been there five years and I really love what I do. Um, you know, I think about being inside of a corporate structure and, you know, the last panel we talked a lot about like personal brand and being able to be your own business person. And, and in a sense, in a sense, you're someone else's business person, but you also maintain a sense of self, you know? So I want, I'm just curious as to how you, you know, maintain that personal brand within a corporate structure and you're able to, you know, be eclectically cool and bring your own essence into a corporate environment, which is also very structured and has very, you know, sound expectations. Um, I'll start with Courtney. There <laughs> with Def Jam. Well, Def Jam, I, the corporate structure is a little different because it is a rap label, so it's pretty lax compared to, I'm sure, some other brands or businesses out there. But I think that maintaining like a sense of yourself and just knowing who you are is important in any role in any job wherever you work. Um, and just working really hard for me, it's like I, I think that there's always there's distractions and it can get clicky. It can get catty anywhere that you work, but just keeping your head down and doing your job and being who you are and honest and transparent speaks volumes, um, day in and day out. And it's recognized in my opinion. Hello. For sure. Um, <clears throat> I think first and foremost is the reason why you were hired, right? There's something that they saw in you. So whatever job that may be, whatever that, sparkle was in your eyes or that smile at the interview or the energy that you provided, that was what brought brought you into the company. So I think in and of itself, you are that person. You need to own that identity and bring that every day to work. At the same time, in the corporate structure, I will say per perception is extremely important, right? So perception is reality. is something we say a lot. And I think if you take a step back and just think about how do my peers, um, what, how do they think of me? How does, how does my team, you know, think of me as a leader on the team and almost define what you want those to be, um, from a professional standpoint, and then mix that with your, your unique personality. I think that equals success. So that would be my point of view on how to own your personal brand. And <clears throat> on my end, I've always thought about my training as, you know, I learned various disciplines of marketing 
at school and I the one brand that I'm most closely tied to is my own. So I, you know, I have friends who are producers. They produce their lives. I'm a marketing person. I need to market my life. So everything that I do and as women, we don't do this as well as men. Um, Chris, I know you. You do this well. Um, You (laughs) you look me up and down like that. I mean, I I will get emails from you about what you're doing. And as women, we don't do that enough. We don't say, hey, guys, I created this amazing brand or I ran the social media campaign that got, you know, two million likes and, you know, 50,000 engagements. We need to do that more. So I think that that's one of the things that I've um, learned, especially in this role, is um, if you continue to be quiet in a corporation, they're not going to acknowledge you. Right. And and do you do that internally and externally? Right. Do you like go, you know, because God forbid, like Universal closes tomorrow. Right. Do you like are you still marketing yourself outside of the Universal walls? You know, and, and how do you go about that as well? Yeah, I mean, since you said specifically Universal, I'll start. But um, I would say that um, a lot of people don't like networking. A lot of people think that networking is a bad word. And um, I am I, I really like to network just because I like people. And um, I think that one of the things with networking is identifying truly what you want to get out of that experience and then going after that person. Like, I don't need to meet everyone in this room. I'd like to meet everyone in this room. I don't think I would remember all of you, unfortunately, because I have a four-year-old, so she takes up a lot of my mind space. But um, if someone feels like they want to be part of what we're doing, then, you know, and and I could be a, you know, a, a, a point of reference to help you with that, then make it a point to get to know me so that we can do something together. Because I'm going to learn from you. You're going to learn from me. So I just feel like that, you know, that external networking is definitely something I'm doing. The internal marketing is so important, too, because you never know who's paying attention to what you're doing inside a company and you never know where they're going next. You know, I went my first uh, relationship at a studio came from an old boss at a cable network. She moved to a studio and she called me after I'd been working for this other network for five months and was like, I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse. And had I not, you know, continued communication with her and shown her what I was capable of, she would have never thought of me when she had this great opportunity. On that same note, I mean, Nike is a, you know, a behemoth of a company, 30,000 employees. Internal marketing is, I think we market equally as much as we do externally as we do internally, and it's extremely important. So there's no question about it, right? You complete an amazing, amazing project that involved many facets of the company. You're constantly going to share that information. Um, and just make sure that it's known. And then externally, I think there's just a, this idea of like constantly wanting to learn. And so whether you call it networking or if you want to switch it and flip flip it on its head and just make it more about <clears throat> understanding what other professionals do um, and building a network and almost like picking their brain and you sharing the information that you have just so that you can build a larger network and kind of share with them the things that you're doing or inviting them to the things that you have prepared and vice versa. I think that's a, a, a cool way to like of externally marketing yourself while gaining something as well um, and building like a mutual relation relationships with several people. So... Yeah, I mean, to both their points, I think just maintaining relationships is so important um, in business. It's you never know who's watching you. You never know who you're going to meet at a shoot who could turn out to be the president of a new company. And then they you left you left a lasting impression on them. It's just important to keep in touch with people. I try the lesson that I wish I learned when I was younger was keeping business cards. You're constantly going to events and you're meeting people and you pan business cards out. And I would just throw them away. But you never know. You find them in your bag the next day or a couple weeks later. And you never know whose contact that was. And I wish 
my younger self would have reached out just to start that relationship because now you never could have been my boss. I just wanted to add one more thing. Like I, I, I wanted to go back to something Courtney said at the very beginning about, you know, clicky, catty. We're talking about corporate America. So you guys all know that that exists, right? So we have a really great idea. We want to market it, but someone is already taking credit for it. It does not matter. Go out there and let everyone you know who's in that company, whether it's the janitor to the girl who's pouring the coffee, <laughs> No, well, you know, I really came up with that idea. You need to stand firm with what was your idea. Well, I was going to ask that, like, what's the, what's the balance, right? Because, you know, there, you can overpromote, right? You can be like, hey, everybody, look what I did, and have to hire a sign twirler to showcase your project. Or, you know, like, what, what is there, what's the subtle science to, you know, kind of being, um, being self-promotional? I think you have to know your audience, right? So it depends on what company you work at, right? I think we value like team and collaboration. And so regardless of whose idea it was, we all had a, a hand in it. So I think you can take that piece of work and still say, hey, I led this with a team and we killed it. And these were the results and share that victory like collectively and almost be seen as like a collaborative leader. I think there's a way to always assert yourself by still like lifting up others along the way. And so I do, I do think it's equally as important to make sure you're like, hey, I led the team. I drove the results. I made sure we were all on on target together. But I do think it's also important to make sure you're, you're bringing people along for that ride and mentoring them through that process. Want to add? Well, I was going to say, at Def Jam, our publicity team is so small. I'm the only publicist on the West Coast, and there's four other publicists in New York. So we're all assigned to a project. So it's like there's lines really don't get blurred as to who's delivering the work. Like, you know, if, if someone's servicing a cover story, like the person who locked it in is sending it to the entire company. So I think that at least personally, the hard work really, instead of having to self-promote myself and what I'm doing, d- delivering the work is really what speaks um, to the entire company and to the, the structure. Now, you know, you guys are all at a point, and I'm sure, like, you'll continue to escalate. You know, how much of your your personal success is aligned to, you know, the company's vision for success, right? You may have a direction you want to go, and where, wherever you're at currently in, the, in, in your job may not directly align. So how do you kind of course correct yourself and get aligned? Maybe, like, is it taking on an ad hoc project? Is it, you know, finding another group within the company to align with? Like, how do you go about charting your own path within... Within the structure, I think you nailed it. You have to take a risk and take on an ad hoc project or involve yourself in something that is maybe not exactly in your wheelhouse. Um, but to do that, you have to know what your goal is, right? So I think I, I think there's a benefit of retelling your story because I can sit here now and say, and then I, I, I studied this and then this job, I learned this and this job, I learned this. And then you create your own through line. So now that you're at a place where you get a sense of where that through line is taking you, where you want to go next, I know my two next roles. There are two roads that I want to go next. I know um, one path that I'm taking towards one and I'm talking to everyone that I can who can advise me on that path. Um, I think that there is entrepreneurship in a corporation as well, where you, if you create something that could solve a problem or help bridge a gap for another or, or another part of the organization, that can be incredibly valuable. You may not end up being the person who ends up running that program, but you want to stay attached to that. And then the other side of it is, you know, seeking out, you know, that mentor role. I, I, I agree with, uh, I think, what Chelsea said on the earlier panel. 
I don't believe that you need one person who's going to help you chart your course for the rest of your career. I feel like you need like a kitchen cabinet. You need like if you need some paprika, some oregano, (laughs) if I need some social media or if I need some innovation, I'll call Chris. You know, so you just need to know who are your go to people that that can help you to shape whatever that those uh, goals are. Um, I think your personal and business success are not mutually exclusive of one another, um, regardless of whether they align or not. I think um, to to your point, like you you identify what those goals are, right? I'm a big believer in goal setting. Um, I do it every year with my girlfriends. We do. People laugh at me, but I'm like, it is what it is. Vision boards, like goal goal boards, right? Just take the time to like write down what those are, both professionally and then there's that personal side of your life. There's so many buckets and facets of your life that there are and writing those down and then visually interpreting what those are and putting those in a place that you can see every day, kind of driving you to achieve those goals professionally and both personally. Um, but to your point, I think if there's something that you really want to do within the company, I think you need to raise your hand and you need to identify again, who are the gatekeepers to actually open those doors for me? What is the goal that I want to get after and how am I going to do it? I think like we've all like had several jobs before, you know, you've been at universe now for five years, you know, what are some of the watch outs that you learned early that you liked and didn't like? And why did you, you know, why are you, especially in your case, Courtney, like you went back to Def Jam, right? And you probably could have gone to a number of different labels or organizations. So what were those things that attracted you to that corporate environment and, you know, and, and even brought you back? Well, the big factor was that the job was in Los Angeles. I did not want to go back to New York. I was like, I'll come back, but I'm not moving back to the cold. So they ended up being able to work out a situation in L.A. And I was like not moving on the New York thing. But um, like you were saying, I think it's just really setting like, you you know, there's like a pros and cons list with everything. And I think that um, you have to be really aware of things that you want in a, in, in a working situation and things that you don't want, because so much of what we do um it, it, it takes up so much time in your life. So, I mean, to sit in a situation that you're unhappy with and have to go day in, day out, when like a lot of times I feel like work, your life work balance is a little off scale. Yeah, unfortunately. But I think that, like you said, you just have to like draw out what you want, goals you have set aside for yourself and just really work towards that day as hard as you can every day. Yeah. Um, speaking of work-life balance, Talitha, you're a parent, right? And And... You know, with such a high level of responsibility, both at home and at at work, um, what are some of the tactics you sort of employ on a day to day basis um, to to ensure that you're present in both in both places? Um, I employ a nanny. Um, That was really hard for me. I always thought of myself as a nurturer and never thought that I wanted someone else watching my child. But um She's become a part of the family. She is someone who helps us in a very structured way. She only does pickups and evenings. I'm there most of the time. Um, And I have to tighten my belt in other ways in order to afford that so that I can be successful at what I do. So, um, you know, it wasn't an easy decision. Um, And then when I go home, I don't really get back online like a lot of people. Like, I feel like, you know, I'm a, I'm a marketing person, so I'm always kind of present. Everything that I'm doing, every show I'm watching, any kind of social media that I'm scrolling on, I'm learning something that's going to hopefully help to shape a campaign. So I keep, um, you know, I, I try to keep a balance with that where I'm not kind of like, one second, baby, I'm just checking this email. I try not to do that as much. Um, and then when I'm at work... Um, 
and have to deal with, you know, oh, Sayla's sick. I need to leave and go and pick her up. Like, that is very hard. You know, it's and um, you you the guilt that you feel as a parent whether you're a working in the home parent or you're working in the uh, an office parent it, it, you, you carry it anyway so you carry it everywhere you go so it's just knowing um it's just being able to compartmentalize what needs to get done because i have to go home and take care of my kid because that's priority number one so um it, it's it's difficult it definitely turns work-life balance on its air but i have to tell you like it's the most rewarding thing ever for her to see me work and take joy in my work she's so proud of me and that means so much um work-life balance is definitely a challenge i mean there's no i'm not gonna even sugarcoat it <laughs> um when i first started at nike I think I just came in. I was, you know, grateful for the opportunity as I am now. But I was like, okay, you're in. It's time to put yourself, right? Head down. Let's do this, right? Go, 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 nonstop. And then, you know, after a while, you start to slow down a bit. Fatigue starts to set in. And <laughs> you start to realize, you know what? This is really not sustainable. And um, those were in my younger years. Still young now. But you start to realize, okay, how do I actually really efficiently do this while getting the work done? And there's a couple of things. One, if you have a team, empower them to help own projects, teach them, mentor them, have them take on things. Two, um, I just moved back to New York. And it is forcing me to learn how to truly maximize my time. You have to have a plan when you leave the house. You have to know what you're doing for the day, like down to a T. So I'm forced, unlike in LA, you have a little bit more leeway with your car. I'm forced to kind of like plan out what those things and moments are. Um, and then also I maximize the time that I have in meetings, right? Got to multitask, like try and take care of the things that you can where you are within those meetings so that you don't actually have to address them later. And then it comes to a point where everybody needs a day of rest and don't play yourself if you think you don't, but like everyone needs a day of rest every single week. Otherwise it will start to show up in your work. And so I just make it a point to make sure whether it's Saturday or Sunday or Monday, you can take off on Monday if you worked all weekend, just making sure you identify that 24 hours where you can kind of unplug and not have to get on the computer. Um, but other than that, I can guarantee you most people are from, from our company are probably working around the clock all the time in some, in some facet. You're always kind of plugged in. But just knowing when you need to shut it down is important, just knowing yourself. And I think that... Um the work-life balance is, it's a really hard, it's a fine, fine, fine line, but it's important to try to navigate that. Um, I actually work best with structure and a schedule. So like working at a, I think versus like being an entrepreneur where you make your own schedule, I would not be productive at all. I would like be in the bed and going to lunch and going on a hike and on a conference call and running and like it just would not be the best thing for me. So the fact that, you know, like I, I, I go into my office and like I, sometimes I take calls with my New York counterparts in the car on the way to work, like really having that regimented schedule is where I work best. And then with that, when I know I'm in the office, let's say at 830, and then I can take a lunch meeting at a certain time, then I'll try to plug in going to the gym. It just like makes me have a schedule and allows me to plug in me time versus just like the day is free. Oh my God, I'm just going to wander around and work when I feel like it. I just, I just would not, it would not be the best. But, um, I think that, um, when I was younger, when I was an intern, I was working an unpaid intern in college. I was working like 10 hour days because I wanted it so bad. Like I wanted to get hired out of college so bad. And, um, but again, like I just had my head down and I was grinding and I still work extremely hard. But when I get tired, I let myself 
sleep and I listen to my body. And I think that it's hard, though, with our with our emails being on our phones, it's almost impossible, at least with what I do, to completely shut down, especially being in L.A. and everyone's in New York. So like I'll shoot. My worst habit is that I shoot up at like 530 in the morning thinking that I've slept through something because it's 830 in New York and I'll get up in the morning and I realize it's Saturday. Yeah, nothing's happening. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I've, I've gotten dressed, I've gotten in the shower, racing to work, and I'll be like, oh my God, it's Saturday. But um, yeah, it's it's a hard thing to find. But you know, I think also I've been lucky in what I do, the work and my, my personal life go it sometimes they cross over and you'll you'll like some of your clients and you'll like people on your team. So I'll go out to drinks with writers or editors that actually end up being friends. So it feels like I'm being social when really you're kind of networking per se at the same time. On that note, like sometimes the work that you do, like your job is your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So it it does help. It definitely helps. No, it's important. It's just like that idea of, again, this thread of knowing who you are, right? And and knowing, identifying roles that also speak to who you are as a person. And so it doesn't feel like such a differential, you know, a a differentiation (laughs) um, in the, you know, in the, in the two lives. Um, I think about like, um, you guys are all uh, very busy, obviously, right? <laughs> Especially at work. And you, but you're also at very innovative companies. And um, how do you keep up with what's happening socially, culturally, as marketers, and, you know, especially when your head's down on projects, probably day in, day out, and then you're like, oh, this new thing just popped, what's Periscope? Like, how can, you know, like, how do you keep abreast of what's um, what's out there and, and how to use it in your, your day-to-day work? Well, going back to, like, how I said work back best on a schedule. So I get to work at 8.30, and I really carve out, like, 30 minutes every morning to sit at my desk, read my coffee, I mean, drink my coffee, and read. You're just all over the place, yeah, aren't you? Oh just, <laughs> reading your yeah. coffee, drink getting up on Saturday. on the way to work, yeah, crazy. <laughs> Coffee, 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 coffee. But, um, and I'll take like 30 minutes and I'll read some sites that I check every day. I read the LA Times, read the New York Times, and I think that's a way to keep up with what's going on currently in the marketplace and just to have like a conversation with people, like know what's going on in the world. But, um, that I, I like, I take, I try to take like 30 minutes for me in the morning. Some days it doesn't work, but that's just something that I really try to do. For sure. Um, similar. I don't necessarily do 30 minutes, but I'll in my bed. That's my, my routine because I'm just slow to get up. I just start reading through a couple of the blogs. And then um, I'm sure you guys have heard of like the app Umano. Like it's just a great way for me to get like news. I'll download it and then listen to it on the train on the way into work. So that's been great. Going to What's the app York. called? Just in case. Umano. Umano. Just like it takes. Really good. Too. Yeah. Scam, yeah. That skim's good. Um, gives you like quick overviews audio wise, like for five minutes to get a download. And then internally, there's just a, a great process of just idea sharing and just letting people know what's going on and being out in the marketplace helps, right? Um, making sure you kind of meet with people and kind of go out and see what's going on. Anytime it's also something stuff new. like Behind the Hustle and Innovation exactly. Crush. I was, I was going to give you a plug, Chris. <laughs> Don't worry. I do listen to Innovation Crush. Oh, um, I download lots of different podcasts uh, that are you know, tied to my business, but also it's just tied to things that I want to learn about and fun different things. Um, there's one called the 60 second mind, which is like really fun. It's like 60 seconds and it's just like fun things about, you know, learning and how to use your mind better. Um, and then I work with millennials. So I'm very lucky in that regard that they teach me things that I'm just like, oh, is that what people are saying now? Okay. All right. How do, how do I use it in a sentence? <laughs> and I get to spend a lot of time with millennials and I don't take that for granted. You know, um, there was a great panel discussion that I went to um, at a conference 
where this woman talked a lot about, um, you know, managing millennials in the workplace. And I think that that goes into just managing millennials in your life and taking a time, taking a little moment to listen when they talk because they don't talk a lot verbally. Everything is either social or, you know, texting or what have you. So when millennials decide to speak up, I decide to listen. And uh, that actually was it's a great segue because that was one of the things I wanted to talk to you about. Just like that, you know, that balance, there's such a, uh, I don't know if it's a myth or if, or if it's true and you guys can, can tell me, but the, the idea that there's such a cultural difference in millennials and seasoned, you know, professionals, um, how do you bridge that gap or have you experienced the gap? And, you know, and just what are some of the nuances that you experienced along the way? I'm, I'm, I'm going to start with this one because I manage a really lovely girl, a young woman at my office who is a millennial and, um, you know, a friend of mine who's at the panel here today, she's like, are you going to bring up race? I'm going to bring up race because black female millennials, Hispanic female millennials, we do not get the same kind of uh, leeway that our counterparts may get. Just like as black female executives, female executives, Hispanic executives don't get the same kind of leeway as our, um, you know, Caucasian counterparts. So, I I don't my the millennial that I work with every single day she's so buttoned up she just does not really you know speak that millennial language but then I have a mentee that I work with that is so millennial it is like I, I, I don't mean it as a pejorative, but it's like it's like it's like going to work every day and watching like a tiger in their like cage. It's like, oh, my God, what is she going to do now? <laughs> Did she really write that? Is, um, is that is that the site she's going to? And it is so interesting and fascinating. So um, I just feel like it's absolutely true. Like it's there's a complete conversations are completely different. Their sentence structure is completely different than sentence structure that I learned in school. So it's like it's really taking the time to um, to appreciate to the nuance of that <laughs> <laughs> and appreciate it as, you know, our world is changing. And then in my own gentle way, offer whatever guidance I can, because it is really just a suggestion. Courtney, same thing. I, th I think especially when you talk about hip hop culture, right? Like it's. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, we. um we hired a new assistant in New York and it was maybe like week two. And I called my boss's line. She's like, what's up girl? I was like, <laughs> I literally like, I like literally looked over my shoulder. I was like, I'm sorry. She's like, what's up? I was like, <laughs> but it's just like, there's no, I mean, I think they just get very comfortable very fast. But like when it comes to the hot app or some lingo, She's my go-to. I'm like, so what's this Drake keyboard? She's like, oh, let me tell you all about the Drake keyboard. So it's like she, I think that she's been very helpful with us and like keeping us young and telling us blogs that we should be reaching out to for coverage on our artists and things that we don't, haven't even heard of, unfortunately, which I hate to even admit out loud. But, um, and when it comes to our, our artists, they love her because she is like relatable. She's not a suit. She's not what they consider corporate. But I mean, she, she, it's just, it was very interesting. And it took a little bit of like learning for me because my, it was my first experience with it, but, um, it, it's, it's different. And I think it gives us some youth, which I can, I hate to say again out loud, but I mean, it, um, it comes in helpful, but I mean, my advice to millennials is just like, obviously just, just work like, you know, it doesn't, I know it's like a new generation, but just hard work always gets recognized. So just keep working. Any other words of advice uh, to the to the millennial workforce? Yeah, I mean, same thing, hard work. I think 
I think entitlement is the word I think of when I hear the word millennial. But that word has been used a lot. Like, are you read any sort of like, you know, literature? Yeah, I, I don't. I think if you can just set that set that like no one owes you anything. Right. And so what if you do a good job? That's expected. Like, that's the basis of what you should be doing. So I think if everyone can like if every millennial could just start there with like, you're supposed to do your job and do it good. So good for you. <laughs> and then if you decide to go above and beyond that, now we're talking. And, you know, like, and I think just coming straight in, whether it's a corporation or a startup, whatever that, that experience is, I think being a sponge and actually like not saying anything, like taking the time to just listen. And I'm not saying for a day, like I'm not saying for a week, like listen, three months of just you listening to what everyone is saying around you, how they're communicating, what words they're using is just going to help you formulate your opinions, your point of view and add whatever you bring to the table into that room. And so people will respect you more if you take the time to listen and adopt um, how the company culture actually works. You have more to bring to the table. You will be valued more than you think. And ask oh ask questions. Like sometimes I feel like at least I can only talk about our assistant for the, a lot of time. Her questions would be like personal questions. Like, so how's the weather? Like, what are you having for lunch? I was like, do you have any, like, but then finally when she shifted and started asking questions about projects that I was working on an artist coming to town in a way that she can help, there was a big shift in her, in our relationship, because I could see that it wasn't just trying to be like homegirls per se. Like she really wanted to, to work and, and wanted to know what I was doing and get involved and help. So I think that asking questions is extremely important um, for in, in, in any scenario. Millennial, what we do, it's like it's just, you, you got to you always have to learn. Yeah, I think I, mean, I also think of like, you know, we outside of a specific demo of like age, um, I look at millennials as an archetype. Right. And you go, um, uh, there's this it's the immediacy generation, right? So with like the instant like from a photo or yeah, information at my fingertips, suddenly I'm an expert on something. And it, it, so the, I think the entitlement and the reward system kind of comes from like this idea of, uh, oh, I, like I know it, I can go find it. Like, a you know, the success metric is a little bit different psychologically. I use that to my benefit tremendously right. when working with millennials, because I know, you know, when you know what can drive them, then you can set... You know, especially when we're working on social campaigns or anything like that, you know, you can set your, um, you know, your metrics for success and all your KPIs. You can set them very strategically to get them through a process. So um, I, I it is what it is. So we've just got to try to find a way to use it to our benefit. I would also say that, like, as a millennial, if you're really if you're a kick ass at your job, you just do a great job. I think that would define you as a great individual contributor. So that's good that you can kind of contain and do the work by yourself. But then the next challenge for you is to be a leader on your team and, you know, collaborate and bring people together. And so I think there's always levels of challenges that you can develop before you think you're ready to move on. Just when you think you've mastered your role and your skill set, there's always a couple more steps to go. And just realizing that is going to help you tremendously. Um, in the light of today's event being called Yes, Ma'am, uh, I'm curious as to like how... Um, how being a woman plays out in the workforce, right? Like, in, and what that experience is like, it, 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 especially in male-dominated, you know, companies uh, or and industries. So, um, I'll start with you since you're the closest to me. <laughs> but no, just you know, just curious, like what because you know, the last session really talked about like what it was like and how women communicate with one another. But I think it's very different in a corporate corporate structure. 
It definitely is. Um, I, I've seen a drastic difference between the industries that I've been in as well. So um, when I was in TV, there were a lot of women leaders. There are a lot of women who run networks and who run sales organizations and run different parts of the business. So there, there's a different level of aspiration because you can look across, you know, the, the leadership structure of a network and say, oh, I could be the president of marketing. I could be the head of this. I could be the, you know, there's, there's someone that you can reflect in all these different areas. So especially when you're young and you're trying to figure out what discipline of this business do I really see myself in? You can literally see images of yourself all over. But in film, there are just very few female leaders in film, either, whether it be directors, producers, uh, people running studios, people running departments. There are very few images. And then what we make is culture. And depending on the film, depending on the film company you're with, like some of the culture is very negative towards women. Like you're, you know, you're putting out content that you may not even very much be proud of. Um, so uh for me being a woman in the film industry, I think that um, I try to seek out other people who are also women in the industry and talk to them, not from a standpoint of getting advice, but from a standpoint of developing a community, because I don't think that they can per se give me advice on, on how to be successful. It just does not really manifest itself that way in our industry. But being able to have a community is super important. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, <clears throat> without a doubt, when you think sports, I think you probably probably first think of men um, just in general, even though women are amazing athletes and there's many of us, probably everyone in this room, because <laughs> if you have a body, you're an athlete. Um, but I will say just in business, I wouldn't even like put this on Nike specifically. Like I, I do think I do find that being a woman and a strong woman and an assertive woman and a woman of the POV is definitely um can be a challenge because there are expectations that are placed on women that are not placed on men. Um, and you can be as passionate as you want to be and share the ideas and your beliefs and just still not be heard just based on, you know, who you are and what you look like. Uh, but to the point of having, I guess, somewhat of like a mentor or, or network, I think it's important to have people that are both men and women to learn from. I think it's important to like see if there is a boys club in your company or something of that nature, like what, just see what they are doing or, or how they approach promotions or how they approach conversations or presentations and almost learn how they do it. I, I'm a firm believer in like monkey see monkey do. Like if I see someone do something really successfully, I kind of like to pull it apart and identify what those elements were that made them so successful and then actually approach them about it and be like, you know, I saw you do X, Y, and Z. Like, tell me about it. Like, what was your approach? Like, okay, maybe I'll try that next time and I might try it. I might fail and then I'm, you know, I'll find something else. But I think kind of learning from other people's approaches, mistakes and successes is the best way to approach it. And just know that you have something very important, valuable to bring as a woman in your company. Um, and just have a very special point of view and just never feel as though your voice needs to be, um, you know, hindered or hidden. I think always feeling as though you have the opportunity to kind of speak up and, you know, kind of share your thoughts. I think it's just really important to just always kind of believe in what you have and what you what you bring to the table. My situation is a little different um, in the sense that 
publicity is a female dominated industry. So all of my mentors have been women. So like from being an intern to now, everyone that I've looked up to and wanted to emulate or like envisioned myself like in their shoes when they've all been women. Um, The music industry, on the other hand, is completely male dominated. But like in my little publicity world, um, I'm surrounded by um, really strong, independent, creative women. And to your point, it's like when you're surrounded by that, I think it's almost something you can almost envision yourself working towards that. And if you do the work and take the proper steps that you could be X, Y, and Z, you know, but, um, I I think it's, it's can be hard, um, being a woman in a male dominated industry, because at times you maybe will feel nervous that your voice will go unheard because you're one of the few women in the room. But I think you just have to push that aside and, like you said, when we opened up, like you were hired for a reason. They want you in this conference room, on this meeting, on this call for a reason. So you have to speak up regardless of feeling, realizing you're one of the only women on the team. Uh, you have a four-year-old who's proud of you. Um, this probably goes out to all of you. But uh, what did you want to be when you were four, five, ten? What was your What was your vision <laughs> for the future? <laughs> Well, I'll answer. <laughs> I wanted to be an author, and my my uh, my my father's Nigerian, so he was like, he was like an author. He was like, they don't make money. He was like, you need to be a doctor or an engineer or you know something of that nature. But I basically, I just knew I always wanted to tell stories, so I get to do that from a marketing standpoint right now, and that's and that's awesome. My mom just mouthed to me what I wanted to be. <laughs> um, I wanted to be an Olympic gymnast. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> How's that coming? Uh, it was very short-lived. <laughs> I, I don't even know if I had an inkling. Yeah. No, it's great. I think about that, like, you know, when you ask even a 17-year-old kid what they want to do for the rest of their life. Um, they don't know. Uh, but along those lines, if you guys have questions, we can go to a Q&A now. Um, the mic's back there. She's so fast. She was first again. Okay. Okay, so um, do you guys feel that corporate experience is needed to start up your own brand? Not necessarily. I think it's valuable, right? You see how a company basically works, the inner workings, the structure. Like, okay, I need a, I need a finance team. I need a team that works on digital. I need a team that's going to help me do X, Y, and Z. So I think it just helps you understand like the house. Like, Think of a brand as a house and all the, the pipes and the water and, the, and all the utilities that you need to actually power the house and turn it into a home. Like, think of it like that. It just helps. I mean, I, is this on? I have a, um, a side hustle. Uh, I have an app and um, I think that my corporate experience hasn't really helped me in developing the steps that we made, but it, the relationships I've had through my corporate experience have certainly helped me in just kind of like looking for the advisors that I needed to move things forward. Um, and I think it depends on the brand. I mean, um, right now you can be someone like a aspiring DJ and lifestyle expert and have 50,000 followers on social media and then you have a brand. So I don't know if you need corporate experience to do that. Um, you just then, once you get to a place of turning what you have achieved into either more of a, you know, something that you can monetize more, then you just need to know the right people to talk to to get there. Next question. 
Hi, my name is Catherine Hooper. Um, my question is for all of you wonderful women on the panel. Um, and you all kind of talked about how you got your start and you're all in positions where you're like leading a team and everything like that. Um, and I guess I'm transitioning into like leading a team, a small one. But um, I've noticed that I'm. it makes me a little bit uncomfortable because I'm used to like being second in command or like answering, you know, other questions and things like that. So how did you kind of grow into a leadership role and get to a place where you're like comfortable being in charge? To Alero's point, I watched good leaders and I took from them what I really liked in terms of style. We had the CEO at A&E. His name was Nick, De Nick, Devotsis, and uh, he would walk around and he'd bounce a basketball whenever he came on the floor because he said he never wanted to catch us off guard. He said as his is it in his role, it wasn't he wasn't like the dad who was going to catch you like, you know, cheating on your homework. Like he wanted to know he wanted everyone to know he was coming and he wanted everyone to always be at their best when they knew that they were in front of their boss. So I took a lot from that and just knowing that your employee deserves a level of respect and that kind of setting that expectation really empowers them and, and you get better out of them from that. So I just I feel like I, I looked at little things from little people and cobbled it together and then um, just know that you're not going to have all the answers and it's okay to say, you know what, let me get back to you on that. Yeah, I'd, I'd also say um, what helps is even having a conversation with your employees one-on-one -on -one and just being like, hey, so tell me how you like to be managed and, you know, what are you most looking forward to this year and like really taking the time to like get to know the person um, because that you actually spend more time with people you work with than probably anybody else in your life, which is ridiculous if you think about it but in which case that means you really need to know who you're working with like is this person a morning person is this person you know um really good with details or what and whatnot i think knowing the inner workings of people you work with will also make you feel so much more comfortable um and also understand their value and i think you having that conversation with them will allow them to respect you even more and then you'll feel even more comfortable that mutual respect is equally as important as she said like it's just important to know the people you work with and to Alero's point, I think it's just communication. It's communicating with your team. It's it's admitting that you may not have the answer right then and there. And it's just, um, it, it's it's almost like over communicating in some situations, like tasks that need to be done with a timeline. I'm sorry, like on a time. Some when things have a deadline, you need to over communicate so everyone is on the same page. There's no confusion within your team. You just have to manage that. Along those, along those lines, how important and useful has like the feedback loop been in your job, in your career, right? Because every, most corporate structures have like a review process and so, you know, you're getting feedback that you agree with, disagree with, but how important has that process been to your, your growth? The 360 review process is always interesting for me, um, but it's it very it's very informative, and you learn a lot about how you manage people, how you are as a leader, how you are as working on the team with you. And I think that either you can take that as corrective corrective criticism, excuse me, or you can some in some situations, I'm sure people might take it offensively if there isn't. The, what, something you didn't expect to see or something you weren't expecting to read. But I think it's really informative and it, it um, something you should learn from and, and it only helps you become a better leader and team team player. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, you're definitely going to get moments where you're like, what? Um, not sure I agree with that. But needless to say, it, it has developed me into a better leader, right? And I also think it's important not to wait for those yearly reviews and constantly solicit feedback from the people that work with you. Like, that's keeping it real if you talk about it. Like, if you really want to be a better manager, like, hey, so how am I doing? Like, 
you know, am I giving you the right information when you need it? Like you're going to start to see like where you falter or where you succeed um, as a leader on your team. Next question in the front. Do you think it's possible to work for another brand and also have your own brand? Because I'm like a host correspondent and I have my own brand, but I've also corresponded for another brand that's a little bit more experienced, that's been around for a while. And I'm also interested in working as well, but I don't want to forget about my brand. So, yeah. Um, I would... I think um, I think it's okay to have side hustles, right? So have your nine to five or whatever that is that you spend bulk of your time doing plus the side hustle. I think where you need to be careful, especially in the corporate world, is the, where those lines blur and being really professional. Um, if there is competing brands or just knowing that knowing what flies with who, I guess is the best way to think about it. Um, I do think it's completely possible. I mean, I'm I'm all for people pursuing their passions and paying the bills at the same time. Whatever that is, like do what you need to do that's going to keep you excited and motivated and inspired. More importantly, um, but I think it's just being careful and making sure you're not, you know crossing over red tape because you're working with a competitor or, you know, just being really mindful of those relationships that you currently have. Super important. I'll add to that too, because, you know, I actually, I, I run an innovation team for um, like the largest media agency in the world. Right. And, but also host the show, uh, you know, and it's kind of like, I, I can very easily pull from one resource to the other. And I'm very careful about drawing that line. There's been people we meet with at work and I'm like, Ooh, I would love to have this person. Like, but I can't turn around and be like, Hey man, what you doing on Friday? It is like, it's, you know, uh, so be like being drawn that line in the sand, you know, of what you will and what you want to do. Uh, I think there was a theme earlier just about like, there's always opportunity and abundance and, and people show up um, and not being fearful that your brand will diminish, but also that, that integrity is also valued on both sides. Right. So, sorry, I just wanted to add that. Uh, next question. Rules you did want to <laughs> <laughs> Okay, just um, do you think it's. And stand up too. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Um, so, if you do have like your own brand or whatever and you're working at a similar company, like, do you, like, as managers, bosses, um, like, would I be able to share that with you? Like, what's your take on that? I say 100%. It's yeah. better to be like open. And yeah, I mean, it. I think um, when I was re-signing my contract at my office, I definitely disclosed my app and um, and the aspirations and some of the things, some of the areas that it did cross over, and had a very straightforward conversation with our HR team and our lawyers and just carved it out of my deal. And they, you know, to Lara's point earlier, you were brought there for a reason. They see something in you. Your brand probably helped to develop part of that. Own that. Don't, if if you shy away from it, they'll shy away from it too. And you don't want that. So, um, I work with a lot of people who are hosts and, um, who maybe go from one, you know, outlet to another and maybe they're trying to create something on their own. And I think that, um, using that as your calling card kind of 
to what Chris's point is with integrate innovation crush, using that as your calling card will get you that next job. And maybe that job gets you to the next entrepreneurial role that you do. And, it, you know, so your, your path is not determined just um, by where you are now. It's determined by the decisions you make and kind of like, you know, owning that. I agree. One more. And a man at that. Stand up, sir. Come up here. Give me a hug. Oh, wow. Wow. We have a ball, too. Look at that. My name is Gian Allen. I have one question. Um, what's the best um, bit of advice that you would have gotten from someone that was a person of influence in your childhood, be it a teacher, a parent, that is applicable to how you go about your life and your career today? Uh, the best advice I got was that... Um, we all get so worked up and we get so stressed out with everything that we do. And it's almost, at least for me, like suffocating at times. I got advice um, and it was that we're not saving lives. Like we can get so worked up at the end of the day, there's not a body on the table. There's not a child on the table. So you kind of have to, at least for me, put things in perspective. And obviously you work really hard, but like at the end of the day, like for me, if someone doesn't want to do their phone interview, it's not, it's... Uh, something I can do. Like, um, we're, we're not saving lives. So kind of just keep things in perspective is, is a piece of advice I have to remind myself daily. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, two things. So one is don't take things personal. So in case you haven't guessed, I'm pretty passionate, emotional, uh, emotional type of person. And so I, you know, it's, I take everything that I do, put everything into it. And when things don't pan out or, you know, you get some type of feedback, sometimes you, you, you tend to hold on to it. So I think really knowing that like, it's just work. You're not saving lives. I'm not sending anyone to Mars. We're good. Um, so that was one piece and something I have to remind myself of all the time. And then secondly, it's just that no one's going to give you anything like everything's for the taking um, and just taking just making the time to build those dreams, build those goals and then just going after it, like just being fearless. Those are the, those are the things I'd share. Um, my grandmother is like the matriarch of our family. She's pretty fierce. And she told me when I was really, really young that you're always presenting if you once you cross that threshold of your front door, you're always presenting. So be present. So whenever you're speaking to anyone, like be present in that moment because you're always presenting yourself. So that was, that's been great advice for me. Good. You want to do one more? All right. Well, thank you. This has been awesome. Thank you, Chris. You guys did a great job. Thanks, Chris. I think we're going to break for lunch and then uh, we'll have a keynote from uh, Bruce Jenner. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Sorry. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed that episode of Innovation Crush live with Behind the Hustle. Again, for more information, go to BehindTheHustle.com. BehindTheHustle.com. If you like listening to comedy, try watching it on the internet. The folks behind the Sideshow Network have launched a new YouTube channel called Wait For It. It's got interviews with comedians like Reggie Watts, Todd Glass, Liza Schleisinger. Schleisinger, I've been friends with her for 10 years. One of the funniest people out there, and I still have a hard time with the last name, Liza. Our very own Owen Benjamin, that's me, takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more. You don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash waitforitcomedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore. Because it's here. And it's funny. And I love you. 
few days ago, Brooke Tudine posted an inspirational quote on her wall that got 17 likes and three comments. Thumbs up, Brooke. Geico also wants to make a comment. In just 15 minutes, you could save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance by switching to Geico. And nothing says inspiration better than saving money. Well, except for those posters that say things like teamwork, excellence, and make it happen. Hashtag keep climbing. Hashtag savings. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.